the word of the Lord, according to John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the hands and the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them, although the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our gospel proclamation comes from the gospel of St. John in chapter 20 that I just finished reading for you and serves the basis of our theme for the second Sunday of Easter, Jesus cheated to win. One of my favorite events to attend before I was a pastor was the Renaissance Festival. I can't now because it's always on the weekend. And as you all well know, I work weekends now. But when I didn't, I loved attending and watching the period performers sing, fight with swords, and joust, all with a comical bent that made it an entertaining and well-spent day. The joust was particularly fun because there was always one obvious bad guy. And his herald would come out to the crowd before the competition started and encourage them to chant his mantra. Cheat to win! Cheat to win! Cheat to win! I'm not going to lie. I was always excited to be included in the bad guy group because it was all in good fun and we got to be a part of the story even if the competition's outcome was previously determined and we all knew the chivalrous guy would win in the end. Like an action movie, a Broadway play, 
world wrestling entertainment, or a simple, cozy mystery. We don't mind the bad guys, because it's all fiction anyway. And we know the end is predetermined, usually to the largest population group's satisfaction. But what happens when in real life, the good guy is actually the bad guy? I'll never forget my favorite sport years ago now, which became my favorite sport because of the American good guy. It was bicycling, something I loved doing but never paid much attention to as a sport or watched until an American got really good at it. So good, he won the Pinnacle Tour de France seven times in a row, which basically determined who was the greatest bicyclist in the world each year. The coolest thing ever is when an American can beat their cousins we left behind in the 18th century at their own games. We never quite got there at cricket, so we invented our own game, baseball. And now we rule the world in that sport, I guess at least with players from our hemisphere of the world. We never figured it out in rugby, so we made football and made it the way we like to play, which is basically nothing like rugby ever was. But we are great at our game now. We're still trying in soccer, but after this year's performance, we're probably still a generation away from being truly competitive with the European clubs. But we did it in bicycling with an all-U.S. team initially and continued that success with our U.S. hero, Lance Armstrong, at the helm of an undefeatable team that machined through the tours with nary a team even close to challenging them in any truly substantive way. We could stand at the sidelines of European races and chant, USA! 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 And nobody would clap back because they all knew we were the best and our victory was inevitable. Now, don't get me wrong. There were the occasional French reporter or French fan that would accuse Lance of using illegal drugs to improve his ability to win. But Lance dismissed it every time, making the point that he never tested positive for any drugs and that he was the most tested athlete in the tour. Driving home that point. But Lance was not playing by the rules and was even working with a doctor that helped him cheat the test. And in 2013, he admitted as much on the Oprah Winfrey show. They had him dead to rights in 2012 after an investigation figured it out. But he figured it would be better for his cancer foundation to admit it publicly rather than continue to deny now obvious evidence like he denied in the past. I will never forget standing in my front lawn talking to my neighbor Jason, who was an avid fan just like me. And we both came to the same conclusion. Lance was a lying jerk. The jerseys were given to Goodwill. The passion for the sport waned and watching the Tour de France was no longer our obsession for three weeks in July. Oh, we still went bike riding on occasion. 
but the racing and touring bikes were sold, and the basic casual bike was ridden instead, and the sport of cycling died for most American cycling fans. Can you just imagine what it must have been like for Lance when he faced his fans after that? Can you imagine the look on the faces of the workers at the Trek factory that made all his bikes for him? Can you just imagine facing all the sponsors who paid you millions of dollars over the years? I heard that some even sued him for breach of contract to recover the money that they paid this cheater. Well, he may not be that big a deal to most Americans. He was to the passionate ones. And the whole world knew, even if we weren't paying much attention. He was stripped of all his titles. He was banned from bicycling. And worst of all, the donations and revenue for his cancer foundation crashed harder than his reputation in the sport. This is Lance's life now, daily facing everyone he betrayed. Believe it or not, there are greater betrayers of good than Lance, and we read about them today in our gospel. So imagine, if you will, for just a moment, you betrayed the best friend you ever had, perfect in fact, and actually left him for certain death, fleeing and denying any knowledge of him when asked. Then you are alone, fearful of the very ones who led Jesus to death, because they just might come for you next. And Jesus appears. And as Thomas alone confesses later in the gospel, this is actually God. I'm telling you, right here and right now, Jesus appearing at that moment in time is not a gospel event to these disciples. So Jesus' words are the very words they needed to hear to keep them from running in terror. Peace to you. Then Jesus demonstrates that all past sins are forgiven by commissioning them to forgive sins. The betrayers, the sinners, and the fraidy cats are now in charge of sharing the peace of Christ with every sinner, every betrayer, and everyone who is ever afraid because of everything they have done. Christ made them the fathers of the church who would teach, catechize, and bring up the very pastors who would write the very creeds we confess today. Christ forgave their sins and made them what they could never have been without his death and resurrection for them. Christ sent them to do his mission and literally infused them with his Holy Spirit, which enabled them to do everything they had to do to the very end, giving most of them the courage to die, and in some cases die as painful a death as our Lord Jesus did, because under the power of the Holy Spirit, they refused to deny Jesus again. And Jesus did all of this as the greatest cheater of all time. Please, let me clarify. In a law as sure and verified as the laws of the Medes and the Persians, there is one law that must be obeyed. 
sinners must pay for their sins. The devil knows this and waits every day for his opportunity to take our souls for the sins we committed. He demands, and has every right to, our blood. The author, C.S. Lewis, describes this right perfectly in his fictional book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. C.S. Lewis constructs a brilliant parallel to our real world called Narnia. A world of fawns, unicorns, and witches, and other fantastic talking beasts and characters. But it all rings true to how God works in the real world. The deep magic is the law of God. The blood must be shed for sin, just like the sacrifices of the Old Testament. Only in Narnia, the sinner must play, pay with their own blood. In the book, a young boy committed treason, and the evil one, parallel to the devil in the book, the witch, demanded his blood, saying, You know every traitor belongs to me as my lawful prey, and that for every treachery I have a right to kill. That human creature is mine. His life is forfeit to me. His blood is my property. At this point in the story, the figure that represents Jesus, Aslan the lion, goes off with her and agrees to substitute his life for the boy's, to save the boy from the death the witch was owed. He was subsequently, dramatically, and brutally sacrificed at the witch's hand. And to the good characters of Narnia, it appeared as though the witch had won. But the next morning, after they left him for dead, a loud crack destroyed the altars. He was sacrificed on, and the lion appeared alive to the shocked children. Oh, you're real, you're real, oh, Aslan, cried Lucy. And both girls flung themselves upon him and covered him with kisses. But what does it all mean? asked Susan when they were somewhat calmer. It means, said Aslan, that though the witch knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still which she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time. But if she could have looked a little further back into the stillness and the darkness before time dawned, she would have read there a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backward. Like the witch, the devil had every right to our blood as payment for our sins. But Jesus' perfect blood was sacrificed instead, and he cracked death to appear to the disciples today to prove his ability to cheat the devil out of his due. So I caught up with that ultimate cheater, Lance Armstrong, in a recent article this week where he said, I wouldn't change the way I acted. 
Then he adds on saying, I mean, I would, but this is a longer answer. Primarily, I wouldn't change the lessons I've learned. I don't learn all the lessons if I don't act that way. I guess I'm glad that he learned his lesson. But it is unfortunate that he learned his lesson at the expense of the fans that loved him and were loyal to him and unfortunately casting them off cycling forever. I'm sad that he learned it at the expense of the workers at the bicycle factory where his high-end bikes were made and may have even cost them their jobs. I am sad most of all for the money that is no longer being spent at a foundation to research cancer and save lives. But then, our mistake was thinking that life comes from this one man in any way, shape, or form. And then I'm glad that when Jesus cheated the devil, we didn't suffer the pain, he did. When Jesus made the greatest deal for us, causing the worst deal for the devil, he paid the price. And when Jesus was humiliated and had to face the betrayal of people he loved, we got his adoration, redemption, and salvation. When Jesus cheated to win, he cheated the devil, he cheated death, and he cheated the deepest magic there ever was, our accountability for our sin, and no one had to suffer for it except him. Amen. Now may that peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.